Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Phil on from OpenLMS. And we'll be talking about the use case or the business case for why prospects and customers use open LMS. So Phil, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and open LMS? Yeah, great. It's great to be here, William, and appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Yeah, open. uh, My name is Phil Miller. I'm the managing director of open LMS, and we are the largest world's largest provider of hosting and support and services uh, around the Moodle platform. Um, and so we've got a wide variety of use cases. I don't, we only have half an hour, so we're not going to get through all of them. Today, <laughs> but we um, we focus on providing both educational solutions for higher education that include some of the largest universities and community college systems in the world, as well as for corporations, uh, HR practitioners, learning and development practitioners who need a platform to deliver uh, training, onboarding, and all of those. So it's, it's you know, lots of use cases, and we'll, we'll dive into a few of them over the next few minutes. So those that are listening, um, one of the things that Phil and I talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago is Moodle is kind of like it's an open source, kind of like Linux. If you're familiar yeah. with Linux years ago, and OpenLMS is like Red Hat is a comparable. Yeah. Do, I, do I have that right, Phil? Yeah, it's a great comparable. I mean, many people want to use an open source platform like Moodle, but they are worried whether it's uh, about, you know, they want to have a, a, somebody to call when something that goes wrong and they, they don't want to have to be a software shop that's constantly looking for updates and participating in the community. So what what Red Hat did with Linux and what we, I think, have done with, with Moodle is kind of provide, you know, the, the best parts of both worlds. You get the flexibility that comes with open source and probably total cost of ownership that's lower than a proprietary solution as well. But you still kind of have a single throat to, to choke when something goes wrong and you, you've got um, the support and service and, and adoption that goes along with that. So we try to kind of uh, you know thread that needle and, it, and it's worked pretty well. We've got more than 1,700 clients worldwide, like I said, that range from largest universities with on, in the world with online programs to, to small businesses that use us to train salespeople around the world. And um, I, I, so I think we're, we're, we're finding a really nice uh, value proposition for those clients that are looking for that. So with LMSs years ago, the failure rate was based on uh, content, either mm-hmm. not having access to content, syndicated content, not even, not creating your own content. Basically, it was a warehouse, it was a data, a, a data warehouse that you know, other than compliance, I think LMS have all, always, or at least historically, done a really good job with compliance training. Check. Yep. Okay, great. But the LMSs, as you well know, are much larger, much better, and can be more refined than just that. Um, so first of all, bring me up to date with like the successes and failures in within just on the LMS market. Like, what do you see when companies do it really well? They do these things. When When it doesn't work, this is why. Yeah, I mean, there's there's both there's there's technical and there's organizational challenges, right? And, and and on our side, we we take care of most of the technical challenges for you. But first of all, on the organizational side, you've got to have you know strong champions that are really going to push this out, and you have to have both kind of bottom up and top down support for your learning initiatives. 
that 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 you have to take that as a given or your project is going to is going to fail right or is going to really struggle to 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 take off if you want to move beyond compliance then it's it's really about um you to your point getting the right content and you know most of our clients uh, i mean obviously on the educational side they either get content from a publisher or they get you know, they create their own because they're a professor and they're the subject matter expert uh, most of our corporate clients, it's really a hybrid of content, right? You've got your standard courses that range anywhere from, you know, compliance stuff like you mentioned to like leadership training and um, other other sales training that are really common uh, sub- customer support and how to interact cu- with customers. But then you always, uh, to really make it uh, uh, applicable, you really want to use content that that really is your secret sauce, right? Like what's your product do that nobody else does? And how do you make sure that all of your people, whether they're salespeople or marketing people, or they interact with customers at all, are talking about that? And so often you either have to create that content yourself, uh, which, you know, most people aren't really good at, or you have to find a partner to go create that for you. So we see a lot of, uh, of our clients that will buy the LMS. They'll also, you know, work with a, a big content provider like a go one or a open sesame for example to get some of the kind of off the shelf content but then there are always a handful of things where they've got to go create content for themselves and we can help clients with that or point them to people that can do that but like you you really want to build especially about those things that are are core to your value proposition your content for that has to be really good it has to be engaging it has to and it has to be something that uh you know, everybody or large chunks of your organization go through so that you can kind of have that shared shared vision and shared, shared purpose. So again, usually it's a, a bit of a hybrid situation, um, if you, especially once you go past compliance. I mean, compliance can be pretty cookie cutter, but right. to your point, you're, you're only getting about 5% of the value out of an LMS if you're just doing, you know, simple compliance on that, uh, on, on your LMS. So years ago, the CLOs, Chief Learning Officers, would be the people that we would uh, that we would obviously that they would care the most about this and training and development, learning and development, depending on the organization how they how they kind of phrase that. Um, open LMS as it is right now, who owns the, who owns uh, you know an organizational wise, who who owns that right now? Yeah, so chief learning officer for those that have them or uh, HR leadership that. You know, often, in, especially in worlds where, where budgets are stretched, people are carrying multiple roles. So an HR practitioner that has kind of a talent development uh, uh, a calling or, you know, there's, there's a lot of different kind of flavors of what those are called in different organizations. But it's that HR and, and then, you know, to your point, chief learning officer at larger organizations or the manager or director that's in charge of talent development. We've seen an increasing um interest from you know folks that are on the talent recruitment side as people are trying to differentiate uh when they're trying you know it's such a difficult recruiting environment right now um although maybe that's changing as the economy goes whichever way it's going to go but you know get positioning learning and development as a benefit is something that a lot of companies are starting to do now when they're recruiting and saying hey we've got this leadership program or you know we've got lots of opportunities for advancement and so we're starting to see more interest from even the recruiting side on, you know, let's make sure that we have learning and development buttoned up so that we can talk about it and then actually live up to that once these employees are on board. And then of course that it matters a ton for retention, right? So I think, um, I I think that's an important part of it as well. So we're seeing 
we're seeing broader applicability than we did to your point a few years ago, where it was really just the one, one or two or, or small team of people that were focused specifically on learning and development. Yeah, I see the same thing on the talent acquisition side. Candidates are asking in, yeah. the, in the interview phase, how are you going to make me better? Which is yep. skilling, upskilling, learning, training, development. They want a pathway. They want a, they want a learning pathway. And if recruiters can't answer that question, they're, they're, they're literally dead on arrival. So, yep, right. uh, so it's, it's interesting to see that, that the candidates are, the, are, are driving some of this change as well. Well, and remember that, you know, with the, with the pandemic and with the flexible workplace now, it used to be you brought somebody in for an interview and they would see your coffee machine and your fancy kitchen and their nice, you know, desk and, you know, nice break room. And, and that was part of your, you know, recruiting pitch. But now you have to find other things outside of office environment to do that. And, and even, you know, online learning can be a part of that. Hey, we've got a platform, we've got an approach that we take, and that can actually be a differentiator. It's no longer... Your front door to your to you for a work worker is no longer walking in for the interview into an office space. It's it's coming into an environment. So that online presence, in in all the different ways they interact with you, whether it's looking you up on LinkedIn, uh, et cetera, all those things really matter because it, it really is the front door now for employees. So things, especially as we as we look at the challenges, people that are that are running uh, open LMS. Uh, micro learning, obviously, uh, things that are more mobile friendly, or if not mobile first. Uh, like, what other what other trends do you see that your your the users are like? Okay, and, and what's great about Moodle is it, it's flexible, and you can change it. So I, I mean, I know that, that, but what are some of the things that you're seeing trend wise from customers? Like, okay, this is how they're using the LMS now. Like, they're using it for this. Yeah, a couple of things. So first of all, we have a you know an internal joke that is you know the best part about Moodle is its flexibility, and the worst part <laughs> about Moodle is flexibility, right? So there's a, one of the things that we really help our clients with is is Moodle is so flexible. There's so many use cases. It's helpful to have a bit of a, a guide or a Sherpa, you know, to kind of guide you through that, and we can be that for our clients. Um, I, I'll tell you where a lot of what we're seeing right now is we're we're seeing kind of the what I'll call the the evolution of the new normal, right? So we had this period because of the pandemic where learning development professionals were, were forced in very short order to take a bunch of courses that used to be taught in a conference room or a training facility, move them online incredibly quickly. And they, they, worked, they worked incredibly hard, long hours, and I respect what they did, but they also, most of them would tell you, they took a lot of shortcuts. And a lot of times it was really more like cutting and pasting something that they had from a and putting it online. And so what we're seeing now is um, as people return to the workplace, uh, some, or as we see more of a flexible workplace, people are actually going back and saying, okay, we made this really quick transition in 2020. It wasn't our best effort. You know, now the, let's go back and make sure that we're doing this right. And also, and, and I say this as somebody that, that focuses on online learning, where are the spaces where some of that learning actually should be in person, right? And, and how do we create that environment? Because there are there are some things that are just better delivered in person or sometimes even almost required to be in person. And so they're kind of reevaluating. And so I think we're in what I'll call the, 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 the maturing phase kind of post-pandemic um, uh, that we want to, we want to, and then we were trying to encourage our, our clients to do that, right? Hey, have you gone back and looked at those courses that you made uh, over the two weeks in the middle of March or April of 2020 and 
And have you thought about how you're going to deliver those going forward? I think it's an important part of, you know, just the maturing of this because what 10 or 15 years of the movement online happened in about two weeks back in 2020. And, and we've got to respond to that. So what, what's with your customers, what's the LMS tied to? Cause I can see, I can't see it tied to everything by, by the way, but I can see from onboarding, you know, a straight kind of a, a clear path. I can also see it connected to performance. Like there's a lot of things I can see it connected to. So instead of me wasting that time, what are your customers? What are they most, you know, connecting open LMS with uh, other technologies? So, so, I mean, obviously we're, we're, we're generally um, connected with the HRIS system, mm-hmm. um, which is critically important for all the reasons that you mentioned, but we're increasingly seeing what some people would call extended enterprise, right? Where sometimes we're actually a second LMS. So they've got, their, their internal LMS that's tied to their HRIS and that all the employees do their compliance training right. on and other training. But then you've got a department that, that has a specific use case. Maybe it's to train some external people or volunteers if you're a nonprofit. And so they need something that actually isn't tied to their HRIS because that there's some constraints that come into play. So we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of clients over the last a year or so that are we're actually the secondary LMS, and we're the like the flexible one that that allow that that doesn't have all the the structure around it, and that's very intentional, right? I mean, and you you said it earlier, the the flexibility of Moodle is incredibly important. So, if you've got a, a, a use case where you're trying to train your salespeople, right, and of course they would have they would be in your HRIS, but you also have a bunch of channel partners that are around the world selling your products, and you need you want to include them in the same training. Well, suddenly you're calling IT and saying, hey, I need to create accounts for these 300 channel partner representatives. And they're like, hang on a second, right? Like, we're not ready to do that. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of those types of use cases where, you, where you, the flexibility that we can apply both from a technological perspective from Moodle, but also from being kind of owned by the group that's actually delivering that specific use case can be really powerful. And, um, and we're also cost effective enough to operate at that at that level where, Hey, you know, you've got, we, we actually offer down to, you know, 500 user license for our software because we see those types of scenarios come up uh, quite frequently, actually. And it seems to be growing. One of the ones that's kind of related to that, that we're seeing a lot right now is um, like associations, you know, professional associations that are using our software to train their members, right? You know, if you're a, in a medical association of some sort or a specific practitioner, you've got to do continuing education every year. And so the associations themselves are, are in the middle of that game and they're starting to use our system to train their members on that, which is a, a similar thing, right? They don't have their members, but they're not employees. So they're not in HRIS. So we also see integrations with things like Salesforce, right? People that are selling content um, through our system and our platform. So there's, there's a lot of different, to your point, there's a, the flexibility means there's a lot of different ways that we can, that we need to be integrated with various systems. I love this. Okay. So let's do some buy side, uh, stuff for, for, for a couple of minutes questions buyers should ask, especially newbies never bought an LMS before. Don't even know what LMS stands for. Fantastic. Great. They know they need to do something with learning and training and skilling and all that other stuff. What are the questions that they should be asking open LMS? Yeah, I mean, it's a, so a couple of things that come to mind. One is how easy is it to integrate content from a variety of sources? You don't want to be tied to any one source of content because then you're, you're kind of trapped. A second one, and, and part of this is because we're open source, but 
we like to we like to have people ask on the total cost of ownership uh, front, what is the cost of exit, right? Because if you um, implement a proprietary system, if you ever decide to change or, or if the product doesn't go where you want or if the support isn't what you want, then there's a cost to transition. And, and we think that we've eliminated that by being based on an open source platform. You can take your data, you can even take the platform itself, run it yourself or find other people in the world that provide that. So the total cost of ownership, don't just think about, hey, how much is it going to cost me to implement this? But if I ever have to change, what does that look like? Right. And then the last one to your earlier point, integration points. I mean, there, there are just, again, with a variety of use cases, but start with something simple. I need to integrate with my HRIS. How easy is it to do that? Do I have people that can help me do that? And then what other systems might I want it to connect to in the future and at least have an idea of what that looks like so that when you, when inevitably somebody comes to you with a different use case than you originally thought, are you prepared for that? And do you have a system that's able to handle that? Love that. That's fantastic. So your favorite part, if, if, you know, and it's one of those things I know that, that open LMS is so flexible. It can do anything. However, there's a favorite part of showing uh, open LMS to somebody. So what is that for you? Yeah, for us, um, the, my, my favorite part of this, and then there are people that are more technical that focus on the integration, but we've really focused on personalized learning and we've built a tool into the open LMS environment. It's called the personalized learning designer. And it actually allows you to do kind of branching and create different learning paths very easily, which, you know, if you're creating your own content and you're not a, a full-time instructional designer and like the, the ability to create that more, a little, just not a lot more advanced, but just to, to make people feel like the content is personalized for them um, is incredibly important. I think, um, again, to your point about catering to today's workers, you know, people expect that of an online platform. And we think we've created a way to do that in a really easy and, and straightforward way, such that it's available to the common practitioner, not to the, you know, person who's got a four-year degree in instructional design, right? And, and, and so that's my favorite. When I, when I show that feature, when I demo the software, uh, people, people look at it like, well, okay, I can see how I could use that. And it's something that I wouldn't expect to, to be able to do at my skill level. So that gets me pretty excited. And people, the other thing I love about that feature is later, like in our community site and stuff, we, we, people have used it in ways that we never intended it to be used. And I think that's cool, right? Like we had a certain kind of mind, but they've, they've kind of like hacked it a little bit because it, it, it kind of operates a little bit like creating macros. And so it's always cool to see somebody that's taken your feature and kind of hacked it a little bit to do something cool and unique. And so that's my favorite one to talk about in a show when I'm able to demo to clients. Uh, extending that just for a second, without brand names or <clears throat> company names and things like that, favorite story of of how people have used Open LMS. I mean, it could be your most recent favorite story because you have thousands. No, my, of on, on that personalized learning one specifically, and and. and this is going to be from the education world, uh, rather the 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 K twelve world. Actually, we had a teacher once that one of the things you can do is you can schedule personalized messages to be sent, you know, at specific times based on certain things. And and so, um, a, a teacher friend of mine that that was using our platform, you know, set up a little macro, and and at like five thirty in the morning, it would check and see if the student hadn't logged in in the last two or three days. And it would send a very personalized message like, hey, Sally, 
I see you haven't logged in since, you know, Friday, the whatever, like, I really need you to do that. Here's your next, like, and you can kind of macro all that out. And the, their parents of that, the students showed up at that because they were getting the emails too. the parents up like, wow, you're up early every morning, you know, and, and really she, she actually is a, not a morning person at all, but, the, but they, she just automated. And again, kind of the hacking the system a little bit to do something that made her look like a, you know, an early morning, early bird that was up, you know, bright and early sending emails to parents and, and the system kind of made her look really good. So that's a, an example of uh, kind of a fun story that, that people can achieve when, when you really kind of, get the automation of some of those things down drops mike walks off stage phil thank <laughs> you so much for your time and your wisdom today and, and in explaining open lms to us i appreciate it i appreciate the time in the forum appreciate Ab- it absolutely and thanks everyone listening to the use case podcast until next time You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com. 